Or I'm going to get started. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope everybody's good. Everybody's enjoying their Saturday. So today, discuss the results of the 2021 U.S. Olympic trials for the Tokyo Olympics, as well as give our predictions for how these athletes fear in the Tokyo Olympics coming up in just a few weeks. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to break it down event by event. So we're going to start with the 100 meters all the way up to the 10,000 meters. And we're just going to give our predictions, how we feel, um, give some input. I know there's going to be some controversy here with some of the results, but. All right, so let's get started. So I'm a Kyle. I got, um, so the other announcers, can you introduce yourselves? So, my name is Denard. Yo, Tyra. All right. So, let's get into it. All right. So, the first event, all right, the signature event, the 100 meters. All right. So, let's get started with the males because I know the female side is going to have a lot to talk about. So, looking at the results from trials, the top three, so as you guys uh, qualify for the Olympics, and the fourth, fifth, and sixth athlete will be on the relay pool, right? So they'll participate in the relay, okay? So for the top three, we have Trayvon Bromel, Florida standout. He 9.80 seconds. We got Ronnie Baker coming in second at 9.85 seconds, which is a PR for him. And then we have Fred Curley, Stepping down from the 400 to the 1, he ran a PR of 9.86. Okay. How about that top three so far? Well, you can go first, Denard. Yeah, you can go first. You know, I love my boy, Bromel, showing out once again. Came back from that injury, qualified number one, ran a 9.8. And I'm hoping that Tokyo, he keeps it up and he runs 9.7 in Tokyo and gets first place, get that gold medal like he deserves. Since last time we seen him, he did on the track get hurt. So it's great to see him back. Fred, this is very surprising. I'm very surprised that he even qualified. That was definitely not something that I was going to see going into 2021, him dropping from the four, which I believe in the Olympics um, a couple of years ago, he got third, third place or second place. It was actually got third in the world. Yeah. And he got third in the world. And, you know, you don't see a lot of guys getting third or second or even first changing all the way down to the fastest race in the Olympics, you know, so for him to even qualify, I applaud him. That his training that he did for 2020 leading up to this year really paid off. And for him to drop his weight and everything, for him to be able to celebrate to run with these guys that's been doing it for years, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And I think Curly too. Well, if you look at it, he's a 400 runner. So I mean, he has the build for a pretty good 100. He has the top end speed. The only issue was with his starts. 
and he had a pretty good start in the finals. Um, he looked really strong. So um, I wouldn't say it as surprising. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting to make that decision because he definitely would have had a great shot in the four as well um, to run in the hundred. So are we all saying that Bromel is a favorite to win? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I would say so. Definitely. I don't, I don't really don't see anybody. Um, if, if Bromel can run under 9.8, he's definitely winning. Yeah. I definitely think with his starts um, and the way he's been running, he's undefeated this season. I can't see him not winning. Um, and, you know, just an incredible story towards Achilles in the last Olympics. He takes some time away from the track. A lot of people thought that his career was over. I thought he was um, done, but he made a huge resurgence. And I really want to see him do well. But looking at this list, I'm looking at the world list right now. We got potentially – so. Bromel's ranked first with a nine. Marvin Gracie, actually, who did not qualify, he um, pulled up and he was out in the semifinals, the second in the world. We got Ronnie Baker is second with a 9.85, and then Curly. So we got Bromel, Baker, and Curly with the top three times in the world right now. Um, and then the next is. The South African, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's Leo Tella with a 9.94. Could we potentially see an American sweep in Tokyo in the one? You got, do you think that's possible? Is there any other athletes from around the world who can challenge the Americans right now? I think, I think it's possible. I mean, a lot of these Americans, like, we already know Bromel's a given. You know, Bromel's a given. Um, Ronnie Baker, I'm surprised about Ronnie Baker because I was doing my research on him and I didn't really see anything out of the ordinary. Kind of been sliding under the radar. I would say he's a dark horse in this race. Um, and then Curly, I mean, it seems like Curly shows up in these moments as of right now. So I think it's possible. I feel like if everything goes well, they execute their races as they're supposed to. It could be a sweep in 100. What do you think, Denard? Do you think there's somebody else around the world can challenge the Americans right now for a podium, a medal spot? I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. I think ever since Gatlin, Bo, Johan, all those guys really retired or, you know, some Gatlin's still running, that, that era for those other countries are just – yeah. They're not at the same level as they once were, you know, like 10 years ago. Exactly. What about, I actually forgot, what about DeGrasse? Andre DeGrasse, he steps up when it matters. Do you think he's a threat to the podium? I'm, I'm honestly very disappointed with his progression so far. He came in amazing out of college, um, sometimes even just as close to, um, at least not that far away from Usain Bolt or running the two. But... Ever since, I believe, was it Worlds he ran he ran at? Mm-hmm. Was it? His, he's been declining since then. Like, we haven't really been hearing about him um, really running, like, fast times, like we predicted for him to be running. Um, he's supposed to be at least what was projected to be him and Trayvon to be taking over, you know, the sprinting at this point. Oh, yes. You know, but now it's just Bromel and... Bromel just came off an injury on top of that. So it's not really – it's really disappointing 
when you're thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but the thing with the grass, though, I mean, he shows up when it matters. I mean, if you look at his resume, yeah. um, few years ago he came third in the hundred, mm-hmm. second in the two hundred, mm-hmm. and then back in Rio he came second in the two hundred and third in the one hundred. So you know. When it comes down to when it matters, I mean, he doesn't have the fastest PR. I think his PR is only like a 9.92. Let me see really quick. What's PR? He's entering with a 9.90 PR. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think he would be the only threat um, on the podium next to these Americans. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't think even surpassing Romel, Curly, and Baker, unless. Like you said, and then we also have to consider these other athletes. I mean, you can't really just because someone doesn't have a fast time out of their trials doesn't mean they're not a threat. Anything's possible. Um, so I mean, I don't know. The way it looks right now, I like the Americans though. Yeah. As of right now, at least. All right. All right. So now let's get into the women. Yes, and the topic that's been trending these past two days as. Majority of you guys know. Um, one of the favorites for the Olympics, Shakari Richardson, unfortunately is suspended for a month due to... Um, so there's a substance, a chemical called THC, which is banned from the U.S. or the IAAF. Um, so she is not allowed to run in Tokyo. What do you guys, just quick, what, what do you guys think about that? Because I know we've gotten a lot of mixed reviews on so what do you think, Denard, about that whole Shakiri situation? Um, honestly, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, like I, I understand from the point of view that it is like a substance, and they it is a rule, and the state that she was in is not legal. Um, so we do have to abide by those rules, or having an exception because she's an athlete will this have a bad picture on everybody else that has, you know, any, any legal troubles with, with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, as a runner, it's like, wow. Just even thinking about, oh, you're running and you're smoking weed at the same time. It's, <laughs> it's kind of surprising to me. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, especially, you know, around this time, too. You know, mm-hmm. you you want you want your body to be, like, in tip-top shape. You want to be, like, 100% um, when you're going to Tokyo. So, exactly. for her to do that was really surprising and this big opportunity that she really missed because now it just honestly looks like she was the only ticket. Well, I would say in my opinion, the only chance for the U S to really get first place. Um, I agree. Yeah. Or at least compete for first place versus the Jamaicans, um, this coming Olympics. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to feed off what Dinar said. So basically, I mean, the way I really perceived the situation, I mean, you knew what the rule was, right? And it kind of just dates back to when we were. And you broke the rule. If a rule applies to one person, it has to apply to the majority, right? Or else people are going to take it for granted. And if you give her a ticket, then everyone has to get a ticket, and then everything's not going to be gonna be in balance. So, you know, because I remember originally when I sent Dinar the post, you know, Jamaicans were just exaggerating the situation. But, you know, as far as 
marijuana giving you the um, advantage athletically, that makes no sense. Right? That makes no sense. Um, but it's really just – it was just a rule. You know, she, she violated the rule. Now she's paying the consequences. So it's really just a growing situation, right? Shakira's still 21. The next Olympics is within the next three years. Yeah, three years. So she's still going to be under 25, right? So I would just take this time to just reflect. You know, I would be still going to be very young. Just because she's not competing this year doesn't mean, you know, she's out of her game. When she returns on the world stage, such as the Olympics, she'll be back where she was, so. I mean, this is one of those growing situations, in my opinion. Unfortunately. Yeah. Once again, um, you know, she's only suspended for a month. It's not like she's suspended exactly. because the potential ban was like four years, but it was just marijuana. So yeah. she'll be back. I think the Diamond League finals, a lot of people don't talk about that. I don't know when it, exactly it is, but she can always compete in that, mm. Um, you know, just for bragging rights and, you know, hope. what could have been. Um, yeah, but besides that, so... one one more thing, one more thing. Uh, yeah, the yeah. the problem with her not running this year is she built up all this momentum, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. So it's like this this time period was, you know, I w- I would say that with her running with Frazier, right, at the, mm-hmm. on the hundred meter finals, one of them could have ended up ended up breaking the record. For the hundred meters, with both of them running that fast, pushing themselves to run that fast. Now with Shellan probably going to be her last Olympics and everything else, and Richardson yeah. having this amazing season, it's like, geez, that momentum that you had is going to be gone now, and now you're going to have to fight Very to put all that momentum back up and everything else. Yeah, it's like it's this this point where it's like a very perfect moment for her. She yeah. killed that trials. Blew her name up, blew her her fame up. Um, really, yeah. this like was her opportunity to really become yeah. the face, um, of like the the women, um, for running and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. dang, it's just now it's all destroyed at this point, you know. And she has to build up, she has to do all the repairing for it now. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's just like I said, it's a very unfortunate situation, but it's just one of those things that you just have to learn from. Um, I think a lot of people are really blowing out of proportion, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, most of the people that are even saying things about it on, like, black Twitter and everything don't even watch track and field. So they don't even – they're not even aware of the situation that's going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, they didn't know that THC was even a rule. Like, if you ask most people about this, they'll probably be like, oh, well, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's just – it's one of those situations that it's very unfortunate Timing, right? No one said she couldn't smoke. It was just bad timing. That's the way I perceive it. It was really bad timing. And like you said before, Denard, this is you have to be in tip top shape when you enter Tokyo, when you enter the Olympics, period. So for you to even, I mean, I understand her mom did die. Like, I'm not, you know, we don't know how that feels, but at the same time, you still have to be conscious of the decisions you make because since of the image she's built up. Eyes are always going to be watching her now, right? She's built yeah. up such a large image worldwide that she has to be very cautious of the things she does moving forward. Yeah. The small thing at this point, so. Yeah. Like, even as a career, career rise, you know, um, yeah. 
sponsorships are gonna be looking at her differently now and everything exactly. else, you exactly. know. It's like that was really a big I think I don't know what's what's what do you guys think is worse? Her doing that or yeah. Justin Gatlin with his steroids and stuff like that. I think okay, I'm gonna be honest, this is really just the this was like a childish situation, right? You see what I'm saying? Um, this is one of those situations where Okay, so when I mean childish, it's kind of like a rookie type of move, right? Yeah. Um, Gatlin situation, I don't know what Gatlin and his mindset, what he was trying to do. Obviously, he was trying <laughs> to be in the best shape of his like at that time, right? He was trying to give it his all. And he thought, I guess, steroids, obviously, you know, along with his natural talent. This is one of those situations where it was just like, dang. Like, oh, man, it just happened to happen. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That was just, that was, that was unnecessary. Like, he didn't have to do that. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, I think Gatlin's situation was worse, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And another thing, too, one thing before we move on. I mean, it comes back to her team, too. Like, her camp. Like, who is, you know, advising her in her camp? You know, they, this situation could have potentially been avoided. I mean, it's, you know, depressing that her mom... She lost her mom, and she. You know, there's different ways to cope, different methods to cope with things, and for her to resort to marijuana like that, knowing you know you're taking drug tests, and you know I got this huge Olympics going on, you know there's got to be other options, you know. But the thing with Shakira is, I applaud her for you know on the Today Show, she you know accepted responsibility, you know that could have been that interview could have went sideways really quick. Um, and, you know, showed a lot of maturity there. Um, and I, I think this is going to be a humbling moment for her. Um, and I think she will be back um, because she's extremely talented. Um, you know, there's nothing like her top end speed. That speed is out of this world. I mean, if she can just improve on those starts, um, you know, she we're looking at she's going to dethrone that world record for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's the crazy thing. I was um, me and Kyra was talking about that like her racing style right and i was telling him i was like man we we never seen someone race like her yeah when her starts are when i watch her run i believe that she starts the way she starts on purpose right and the reason why i say that is because she's so she's so focused on building up her top end speed that she knows she's going to pass those people because her top she's able to sustain her top and speed longer than they can. You know, instead of what we're used to, get out the blocks as fast as you can, push, 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 hold your top and speed, and then you decline at the last 10, 15 years, right? Yep. Her race style is completely different. It's like completely opposite. She's like, focus, you know, go go do your race, focus on your arm, pushing. Don't try to beat the gun or anything like that. Hear the gun, push out the blocks. You're fast enough, and your top end speed is fast enough to surpass these women, mm-hmm. and to still run a ten six, ten seven time, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. No. So really quick, um, so is Shelly Ann the overwhelming favorite? Do we think she's definitely nobody's yeah. beat it? Um. Okay. God forbid if an injury comes across. God forbid. She's definitely the favorite. Either Shelly or 
I would have to say the Bohemian. Who who else ran a ten six? There's ten six. Yeah, who else ran? Remember? Oh, Okabari. Yeah, Okabari. Oh, the Nigerian. Yeah. People. An athlete that a person, a lot of people are not talking about, who I think is a dark horse in this whole hundred, is Dina Asher Smith from Great Britain. Yeah. If you guys remember, she ran against Shelly Ann and Shikari in a Diamond League meet earlier this year. And the conditions weren't bad. She beat both of them. Now, I know it was earlier on in the season, um, but, you know, that's a huge... A lot of people are not talking to her. Do you think she can possibly dethrone Shelly Ann or, you know, cl- come close? Because she was second in Doha, too. Honestly, right now, Shelly Ann, she, she, she's doing fantastic. She's practically running her personal best, you know, consistently. Um, it, I, I've never seen this before. She's at an age where she should be retired or close to retirement at least, you know, but for her to dethrone these 20 year olds, you know, in the hundred, even the 200, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's like, you never see this where in a track world, an athlete gets better over time, right? As they get older. You know, with your body and everything, you're supposed to slow down when you're close to 40. You know, that's just how the cycle of life is supposed to go. But she's just getting faster now, which is crazy, right? She's definitely the favorite. All right. So we're going to move on to the two now. All right, 200. So let's start off with the men. So based off of trials, we got Noah Lyles. Reigning world champion came in first with a 19.74. Mm-hmm. You got Kenny Benderick, Juco star, came in second with a 19.78. And we got the 17-year-old Arian Knighton, youngest ever since Jim Ryan to qualify for the Olympics with a 19.84. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is a pretty deep U.S. Um, 200 team. Kit, are we looking at another sweep, potential s- sweep at the Olympics? You can go first tonight. Yeah, you can go first. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. Like, the 200, that's one of those races where you have so much time to make a mistake. Yeah. You know? And if you make any mistakes in that race, someone that's hawking you down, that top end speed is going to surpass you. And it's very hard for you to get back in front of somebody that just passed you. Yeah. So, that race, I would say, it's, I don't know. That one's, that one's really tricky because even Noah allows, he really pushed himself after he saw that high school really run. He was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know? After that high school came out, he, he really ran amazing. Um, we haven't seen that Noah allows in a long time Yeah, run that well. So if he can keep that up, he's definitely first or second place. But one thing about Noah is he's not really consistent. We've seen that in his 100-meter races. He ran like a 10. You know, he should have got fourth at least in 100. Um, yeah. 
So with Noah being our fastest runner, him running his best time this this season, um, it's kind of scary because, like I said, he's not very consistent. Kenny, we're going to see. We're going to see if he can keep it up. And the the 17-year-old, I'm loving him. His second half of the race is amazing, fantastic, especially for him to be that young to be able to compete, running 19s, killing all the college athletes. (laughs) Like, that's kind of ridiculous at his his age. Um, And then in the 200, one person I'm very disappointed in, is Mr. LSU. Yeah. Terrence. You know, I I don't know what <laughs> happened since he was at his the championships, but he's been digressing. You know, like his his times and stuff like that. They're not his, his even his race patterns, they're not consistent where he was at before um the NCAA championships. You know, yeah, well- Two thing too that Leard he had a long extended season. I mean he's yeah. been competing since January. It's fatigue. Yeah, and he's fatigued. I mean he was doing relays. He was doing the one, two indoors, outdoors. Yeah. So you know this is not surprising that the, a lot of the NCW they peak. They're at their peak. So they're just kind of just come into trials and see how you know how they fare and see if you know yeah. they had enough to qualify for the team. Um. But once again, Terrence Laird, he just turned pro, very talented athlete. Um, definitely can see him a lot of damage in the two um, for years to come. But an athlete that, you know, we got some – this 200 is actually pretty deep. I mean, we got some athletes. We got DeGrasse, of course. We have Oduduru. A lot of people don't remember him. He ran like a 198 a couple of years ago mm-hmm. from 19. 19- we have the reigning NCAA champion, Joseph Fambule, who's, who's actually running for Liberia. Uh-huh. And, man, his when we talk about top-end speed, I mean, this guy, for his size, I mean, if, I mean, this guy can really make some noise. He, he is a threat, in my opinion, a metal threat in these Olympics. Um, so... I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say this is a guaranteed sweep, um, and because there's a lot of dark horses in here, so this is actually going to be a very. Now let's get into the females, and this is, let's look at this, and this race was incredible. We had Gabby Thomas, Harford grad, come in with the second fast. 21.61. We have Prandini coming in with a 21.89. And then Anvia Battle from Ohio State, a collegiate running a 21.95. I mean, for three women, I mean, four women. They did not run sub 22. They all PR'd. That is incredible. Um, And, you know, Gabby Thomas, you know, I always knew she was talented. She was always been on the scene, but I wasn't. I don't think anybody was anticipating this. Well, what's your thoughts on that, Denard? Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. 
she she did amazing. Um, yeah, I, I I was when I was watching her in the, um, when she was trying out for the one hundred. I was like, she has something to prove. She's really trying to showcase that she's a woman that needs recognition, that needs respect on the field. Yeah. Um, and yeah. she proved that. She definitely proved that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the way that she ran, too, because when she came off that stretch, Prandini was closing on her. And then she had this huge surge. She just pulled away. And she pulled up, too. I mean, if she didn't pull up, we're looking at a 21-5. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gab, I mean, we're talking about Flojo's record at 21.34. Yeah. Um. You know, we everybody's looking like that's an untouchable record, but I don't know, man. It's it's looking really. Yeah. The record is not. It's not untouchable as we think it is. He says twenty one three. Twenty one point three four. I think the biggest takeaway from the two hundred for the women, it's gonna be. Remember, we still have we have um Gabby Thomas, and then Elaine. Elaine we Smith. have. It's going to be similar to the 100, in my opinion, right? But definitely, I would say the two is probably more open for abundance of countries. I would say more countries probably have the potential of doing well in the two. Mm -hmm. Um, We have Miller Weibo. Weibo. We have Dina Asher. We have Sharika Jackson. Yeah. So we got a lot of sub-22 um, athletes. I mean, we're looking at we can potentially see maybe at least five athletes go sub-22 in one race. It's going to be very quick. fast. Like, as far as sprints go, this is going to be a fast <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to be the deepest yeah. sprint of these games. Yeah, I, I honestly think the biggest play is with these athletes how they run in the hundred. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna really show us who's gonna really be um, competing for the two, in the two. Exactly. Come um, when they're when they're in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into the four hundred. All right. So based off of trials, we had Michael Norman running a forty-four point zero seven, coming in first place. We have Michael Cherry coming in with the PR of 44.35. Mm-hmm. And then we have the NCAA champion. So North Carolina AT running a 44.74. Yep. Who actually kind of closed in really hard to come for that third spot. Yep. Um, looking at this field um, and across the world, mm-hmm. what are we thinking here? What do you guys think about the 400? Norman's chances. This year. You can go first. You know. This this year is gonna be crazy. Um mm-hmm. I think this is this is another race where we're seeing fast times again. You know. Um I'm <laughs> super excited for Michael Norman. He's really been struggling since yeah. you know, him coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So for him to get first place right now. Running a forty-four point oh seven, almost breaking forty fours, uh, was fantastic. Ran his yeah, ran his yeah. season best, and I think what mm-hmm. really helped him in trials was Randolph, right? 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing yeah. how strong he was and stuff. You know, as as we watch Michael, a lot of the times when he runs, he looks very comfortable, right? Yeah. It looks like he still has so much more in the tank that he hasn't used yet. And I think with him being the heat with Randolph early on in the trials really helped him further along in the finals, come finals mm-hmm. time, for him mm-hmm. to push um, more because this is the Michael Norman we should be seeing. Michael Norman we should be seeing should be running high 43s, low 44s, you know. Um, yeah. And Randolph, he's going to be trouble. Yeah. He's going to be really trouble because he can he can run a 43. He can run a 43. And um, he ran it. Even though he ran a 44, he did, like we were saying with um, Terrence, have a championship um, race where he ran extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Um, for then for him to come back and do trials and qualify and still be able to run like a 44 and have enough energy to push at the end to qualify is amazing. Yeah. And I definitely think, too, the issue with Norman that he's had in the past couple – seasons or past few years is that he tends to peak early he always runs those fast times earlier on in the season and he kind of stagnates from there and then by the time it comes to worlds or olympics he Mm kind of just falls apart and doesn't really you know progress yeah i think that's probably the best 400 i've seen him run all season yeah i mean other races he looked really heavy um just didn't look like himself i mean even uh What's his name? Ryan Benjamin, who we will talk about later, mm-hmm. was even challenging him in some of those diamond league meets. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think, and especially since he's his mom's home country, it's going to be a lot of motivation. Um, he's pumped. And I think we're going to see him. I don't know about a world record, but it's going to be a, you know, a 43 at least. I'm going to say um, this with Norman, right, that I've realized over the past, you know, past few years. Norman... Obviously, he has a lot of potential, right? Great form. He has the capabilities of challenging that world record. I don't know. Can I see someone break that world record? I don't you know. In, so. a, in a minute, but, I mean, anything's possible, right? So, the thing is with Norman, I feel like he's in his comfort. He's very comfortable. I'm comfortable right now. I feel like if somebody can get him out of his comfort zone, force him to work harder, than what he's used to, then we'll see a different Norman, and that may result into seeing, you know, consistent 43s. Only God knows what time he'll run at that point. But basically, I think he's got comfortable, right? He's very comfortable right now. And um, I feel like once he can get out of that state, then sky's the limit for him. Because, I mean, he has a whole package to run a good time, so... That's that's my take. Yeah, I, I and I think um, feeding off of what you just said, I think that's something that a lot of athletes deal with. Yeah, um, especially when you're coming out of college and you're running like you have all these expectations on you. Yeah, um, yeah, you're killing these times, killing the, the your meets and everything else, and you're having to reproduce that over and over again. And when you run bad, everybody's looking at you like, "Oh, wow, you know, you're a buzz." So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is, I believe, was mental for Michael Norman. Yeah. Um, in these races, these past races, at least. Yeah. Exactly. But I would say, um, for the four hundred, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's... Neeker, you know, he got hurt playing rugby. Yeah. So he never <laughs> I, mean, I don't understand why a world record holder is playing another sport in the prime. <laughs> that makes yeah. no sense to me. So, uh, I mean, he just he messed himself up. Yeah, hopefully he can. And we can't also forget about the reigning world champion, Stephen Gardner, yeah, with the, that Gardner. tall, amazing stride of yeah. his. I mean, he's only ran yeah. a 44.52, but, I mean, yeah. he's in the mix. Yeah. Um, there's this Colombian, Anthony Jose Zambrano, who actually beat Van Nieker in Spain. Mm. A, lot of, um, pool, a lot of athletes in the pool, so mm. we'll see. That's actually going to be a very, um, you know, open race, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. So let's look at the women here. And in my opinion, I feel like this is probably going to be the weakest sprint event. Four. Yeah. Four. yeah. Because, because, let's see here. This is the men. Let's look at the women. Let's see here. So we have Cornera here. He's winning with a 49.78. Mm-hmm. We have Allison Felix coming in second, mm-hmm. qualifying for a fifth Olympic team mm-hmm. with a 50.02. At this running a 50.03, coming in third. Now, mm. some news that occurred over the past couple of days is the reigning world, or not the reigning world, the fastest woman, there was a junior athlete who ran four, broke a 48.54, I believe, mm-hmm. and she did not, she's not allowed to compete in the Olympics due to her having a higher testosterone level, mm. similar to what Semenya was dealing with. Um, Christine Mubamba. Mwamba, I believe. So, that's rough. Um, and there's also another athlete from that country who will not be allowed to run as well due to that situation. So, this leaves the 400 very open. Um, Shawnee Miller-Wable did state earlier in the season that she's focusing on the two, but looking at this so the world champion, Nasser, currently is not going to compete due to her failing or missing her drug test. Mm-hmm. So it's wide open. Do we possibly see Felix being a medal, a gold medal contender in these Olympics in the four? Um, I think she can medal. Uh, I mean, I don't know if a 50 is going to do it. I think she's going to have to run one of her better races at this point of her career, but I think it's definitely possible with some of the, um, like, you know, the contenders that we saw, the medalists that we saw coming in, they can't run. It's possible that I don't think a 50 is going to do it at all. No. Yeah. It, this, this race was very disappointing. Um, yeah. Like, the, the times are, it, you know, it's very disappointing when you have the reigning NCAA championship champ. In the 800 meter running faster times, yeah, she would have qualified first and Felix would have been like third or something, you know. So, yeah, it's very disappointing where you have specialists running this times where it's like er- almost everybody running 50, <laughs> 50 yeah. seconds, yeah. 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 She could definitely medal, but like I said, a 50 is not going to do it, um, potentially a 49. See a forty nine getting you a medal. Yeah. If the times don't, you know, if the times stay stagnant, I can see a forty nine getting you a medal. Yeah. Yeah.
let's get up to the mid. Or actually, let's go back down. Let's stick with the sprints and talk about the hurdles really quick. Yes, the hurdles. Let's the 110. Mr. Grant Holloway almost breaking the world record, running a 12.81 in semis. He's coming. Devin Allen is second at trials. He ran a 13.10, which is the season best. And then we have Daniel Roberts, who won the U.S. championships two years ago, edging out Trey Cunningham, um, running a 13.11. So... Once again, a pretty deep hurdle team. Now, shocking news, Omar McLeod, who ran a 13.01, had the second fastest time, did not finish. He came in eighth at the trial, so he will not be at the Olympics. So what are we thinking here? It's basically Grant Holloway against the clock. I don't think surpassing Grant. Yeah. Um, God forbid, if anything happens, he's, I, I see him breaking the world record. I see. Uh, he's I see breaking the world record. Annihilating that world record, riding off of that momentum, he does seem like a runner that shows up when the pressure's on. So uh, it's yeah, it's a Grant race against the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now he's just in a world of with himself. Really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't see anybody challenging him. So I think definitely I, I predict he's gonna run like a twelve point seven five. Uh, I'm gonna say that's. You're on a 12.8 no. I mean, in the semis, right? Yeah. yeah. You're on 12.8. Alright, so moving on, let's go to the female side. Now, another interesting development um, well, we're going to get to the females. So, we have first 12.47. Now, Brianna McNeil finished second with a 12.51. But just as of yesterday, she was placed on a five-year ban due to her missing a dope, doping test, or not doping, missing a drug test. So she's going to be out for the next two Olympics. Most likely, this may be the end of her career. You know, South Miami standout, um, former world champion, reigning Olympic champion. Um, So, you know... (laughs) Unfortunately, sucks that she's not going to be repeating or in, you know, contention for reigning, but it is what it is. So that means that Christina Clemens, um, she came in third with 12.53. And Gabby Cunningham, who actually ran the same time, but it was like in millisecond, will have that automatic spot. So what do you think, guys? I, I still think that the U.S. team is strong. Um, we consider Kenny Harrison a favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think once again she's the world record holder. Yeah. Um, you know she's always had that mental block. Mm-hmm. I think she's. I mean, she's qualified for the team. You know, in the past she's had struggles at trials. Um, world she's had struggles with, but I think it's her year. Yeah. Um, I, I think her first Olympic. Her first Olympics. First Olympics she qualified for. You know she's like I said the world record holder. Um, her form is amazing. She just explodes off those hurdles. Um, um, yeah. it, hurdles are one of those things where it's never certain, you know, mm-hmm. because they're jumping over hurdles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like if one mistake, one foot hits the hurdle, it all goes down. So we've seen Harris 
she's done it before, you yeah. know, where she has messed up in the hurdles. And thankfully this time she has she didn't mess up and her race was smooth. Yeah. So as long as she, she can keep that up and have like a smooth race, she should easily get a gold medal. Yeah. Exactly. I don't yeah, I don't see you know, similar to Halloway, you know, this is a world record holder unlike um Holloway. Um I don't see anybody surpassing her, like Denard said. Unfortunately she seems to can't throw you off this hurdle, it's a very technical race. But if she if she runs like, you know, Queen Harris, I, she's not she's not losing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that should be a first. Should be her against the clock as well. Something very similar to Grant. Yeah. So, but we're not saying with that race, right? Anna Crockwell. Well, we're gonna be, and we're yeah. gonna be talking about her but in a she, second. She has a lot of potential. Um, you know, I think she was a senior, so I think she graduated from um, USC as of a few months ago, but um. Obviously, she had an extra year because of COVID, um, as many other collegiate athletes did. But she has a lot of potential in the hurdles. Uh, I think due to her physique, you know, her long legs, her her length, I feel like she utilized her length very well. She's very powerful. Um, doing her thing in the hurdles in a couple of years. She continues to progress. I think she has a lot of potential. She got fifth in this race, but I do think her better race would be before and which we're gonna yeah. actually get into right now yeah the 400 hurdles uh we saw mr rye benjamin 46.83 which is now as of right now today is the third fastest time ever in the event mm-hmm. we have kenny Solomon running a 48.08 and david ken Ziera running a 48.38 mm-hmm. the top three having all pbs the race. He's basically both genders. This is the signature, you know, race. Because we actually just saw Karsten Warholm a couple of days ago break the world record mm-hmm. at running a 46.70. What do we think here? This battle between Warholm and Benjamin. Um, well, what's your thoughts on this, um, Denard? Benjamin all the way. <laughs> Benjamin is... He's fantastic. Um, his form, even with him and his training with Michael Norman, I, I feel like that helped him so much mm-hmm. uh, with him running the two and four and practice and everything else um, leading up to this. Um, I, I really don't see anybody really beating him like that. I think mm-hmm. this Olympics is really going to silence the critics Yeah. Um, after this when he mm-hmm. does win the gold medal. Because Benjamin, he's just like the, um, in my eyes, the last guy that had um, the 400 meter record. His his form, his height, and everything, it's almost, it's just, it's just amazing. Benjamin is amazing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. A little sideways on that one. I, I mean, Benjamin is great. I think his race, what I noticed in this race, if you saw particularly his first 200, he went out very conservative. He really um, went out conservative that first 200, but his last 200, he had this. 
Heat negative split that last 200. If you have seen Carson Warholm run, this man explodes from the gun. Yeah. And he has his strength is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. His able to maintain his form, sustain that strength throughout. Um, um, if I was right, Benjamin, I cannot run that trials race like I do, did against Warholm. Yeah. Because Warholm's going to be out <laughs> in the two hundred, and yeah. Warholm can sustain, can maintain his form all the way. It's going to be tough for Benjamin to catch up. So Benjamin. If he actually wants to have a chance, yeah. So I mean, it. Both of them are gonna go sub world record. Um, it's just a matter of fact that who can outkick who. Mm-hmm. Um, Benjamin clearly has more foot speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Warholm, in my opinion, has more strength. So we'll see if speed outweighs strength outweighs speed. Yeah, um, I, but... I definitely think that's uh, one thing Benjamin, I guess, really put on display. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he ran. And for him to have that world-leading time like that, like you said, he didn't come out aggressive. He didn't come out super fast or anything like that. He started turning up the second half of the race. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, snap. He just about to, he's, <laughs> he almost beat the, um, he's about to beat the time. And then boom, yeah. he has a world-leading time. It's crazy. So his, for him to run like that, with that type of race, a a negative split was really showed. I think he wanted to show people how much strength he had, I guess, in that race for him to have that much kick left over in the tank. Yeah, yeah I mean, my takeaway, you know, both the way you guys said, um, Benjamin is another runner, very similar to Norman, has great potential. Great potential, and I feel like this is Benjamin entering into. I think mentally he's ready, right? He's ready for wherever it's what to come. Warholm is going to use, you know, these athletes. What I would do if I were in their position, right, as a competitor, if I know if I have, because most likely, you know, they're going to be first and second, right? They should be the top two athletes in Tokyo. So, you know, for your what I would do is they're going to analyze their racing patterns, right? They know how Warholm runs. You know how Benjamin runs. Benjamin can't expect to beat Warholm if he's running, if he's not jogging, but if he's going out, basically, if he replicates the same performance he did in trials, he's not going to be Warholm because it's not – Warholm's going to use that, and he's just going to capitalize on it. Only God knows what the time is going to be. But I do think Benjamin has a stronger kick than Warholm. So, you know, I mean, as both of y'all said, it really just depends on who executes, like, who runs a smarter race, right? Whoever runs the crown champion. Yep. Now, looking at the hurdles, um, the women 400 hurdles, we had Sydney with Falkland, yeah. the new world record holder, running a sub-52 of 51.90, mm-hmm. beating... Mohammed who came in second with a 52.42. And then Anna Cockrell, who we talked about earlier, um, finishing third with a Mm -hmm. 53.70. Once again, I mean, we kind of anticipated it. I mean, Sydney, 
is on the top of her game right now. She's entering her prime. I mean, I, I think it's just her against the clock. Yeah. But what, what do we think here? Um, no one's being Sydney. I, I mean, okay, you know what? Let me, okay. Let me, let me see. Okay, so Sydney is from the trials, right? You know, Muhammad has, I feel like when you beat, when you finally get to be that person, okay, let's say if you were in Sydney's position, she got second the last time they matched up on this world stage, right? Um, and I'm still defeating Muhammad, the current, well, at that time, the current world record holder for the 400, you know, it's her against the clock now. You know, everyone, she has a huge target on her head. Everyone's going to lie to Sydney, but as we know, Sydney responds, and I think she's just going to be right. I don't think I really don't. Um, it's going to be a close race. It is going to be a close race. It's going to be very interesting. But I think I think it's going to be Sydney. I got Sydney coming in gold at least. With If not breaking, I think she can break the world record again. I think she can be her own I record. She- when we saw some trials, Sydney looked comfortable. I've never seen anyone run a world record effortlessly like that in my life. Last person I've seen do that was Bolt. And we know what Bolt's type of personality, you know, he's just having fun with it. It's like, oh, it's like a a sprint, like a shride in a race. But so effortlessly, world record, and just, they, you look at their, you know, you look at their composure afterwards and they're just chilling. So I don't, I don't see her losing. Yeah. Shout out to Muhammad, though, too. You know, she had COVID earlier on in the year, and I believe. For her to run 52.42, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Muhammad definitely still, I wouldn't count Muhammad out, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like Sydney has surpassed her. I think those past two years, Muhammad was just very dominant. I mean, she's reigning Olympic champion. Yeah. Reigning Olympic champion. Um, but I think it's Sydney's time, and it would be really interesting to see um, if, you know, both of them can run another. Um, both of them can run sub 52. That would be incredible. But, you know, two incredible athletes, two the best best ever in this event. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Let's move on to the mid distance. Now we're on the where it gets a little bit interesting uh-huh. and we don't have as many favorites as we normally have. So, let's start off with the 800 men. So, one of the biggest stories of the trials, <laughs> of course, well, we got Clayton Murphy, okay, reigning Olympic bronze medalist, coming in first with a 143.17. We got Jewett, Isaiah Jewett, the USC standout, reigning NCAA champion, coming in second and running, running a brave race with a one. And then we got Bryce Hopple running a 144.14, okay? A notable name that is not in this top three, of course, is Donovan Brazier who just kind of broke broke apart in that race. I mean, he stated that he choked and, you know, he just wasn't. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate for him because he's a reigning world champion, American record holder, um, not in this Olympic field. Yeah. So I'm looking at this 800 right now, and I'm thinking this is, you know, a wide open event. You know, there. 
people. We're looking around the world here. Let's see here. One eight hundred. Look at men's eight hundred. You know, right now Murphy has the world leading. Um, you know, we have a a Polish athlete with a one seventy three. We got. So these times are very, very close together. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a tactical race. It's going to basically come down to whoever has the best kick. Yeah. What do you think, um, Denard, about this? This was very surprising. Um, I did not expect Isaiah to run the race he did. I definitely didn't see him qualifying. But for him to take control control the pace, and to qualify, get, on top of that, get second place, and run his personal best of 143. Amazing. Um, Donovan, I don't know what happened. Um, second, going to the second lap, he starts to move up. But then, I would say like 150 or going to the 100, it's just, I don't know. It looks like he, you would think like how he dropped back, he got hurt or something. Yeah. Mm. It seems like something physically happened to him where he just couldn't run his race. Couldn't respond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for him to go from third to finishing last was just, yeah. I, I have no idea what happened. That's I don't think nobody saw that happening at all. Yeah, yeah, big at all. Yeah, because mm -hmm. he, he easily should have been at least third, even running like a one forty three. You yeah. know, but you know you still have to give it up, Clayton. He's he's a monster, as always. He's very consistent. So uh, Tokyo is going to be very interesting. The eight hundred, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I think there's like I said, there's no favorite. A lot of these athletes around the world are running the same time. Come down to what type of race, you know. Is Jewett, could he make a final advance and set the pace like he did in trials? Or, you know, are we going to see a tactical race where um, we see a finishing time being like a 143, 144? I think, I think the eight, I think this is going to be. But I also feel like, I mean, if I was Jewett, right. I'm pretty sure Jewett's, yeah, he's the youngest to qualify. Um, I would just do the same, I would replicate the, exam, the same exact performance as I did in trials. Um, I think it's very useful if you know how to utilize it to your advantage. So what I'm trying to say is, if you don't know how to run a tactical race, don't run a tactical race. Because <laughs> you're getting left, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the 800. Especially in the 800. So... If you think you could go out and run a 50-51, you know, basically be the daredevil of the race and take all the pressure in, I, I say you might as well. Especially if this is probably one of your, this is, you know, first Olympic appearance or, you know, this is really just a breaking point for you. I would just be like, all right, just do it. Whatever happens, happens. I feel like it's going to be whoever is the daredevil and can maintain that is going to contend for a medal. Um, but yeah. Now, do do you think that um Isaiah will be strong enough to do that on that type of stage going to Tokyo? 
I think he's I think he is strong enough. I don't think the strength is the question. I think fatigue is going to play a part into this for him. Yeah. You know, he also is the collegiate reigning champion. He's ran PR since that that race. So yeah. Yeah. So he's consistently been running at a high intensity for over a month or about a month, however long it was. So I don't think Trent is really the I think for him it's really just gonna be if he could fight the lactic acid. If he yeah. could fight it within I think he has strength. I think he has everything he needs to perform at the best level possible. I think for him it's just gonna be fatigue at this point. Along yeah. with the other collegiate runners who perform well at their championship meet. I think the ones who are able to mentally and in their heart, they can overcome that. They're going to. Yeah. yeah. I know lactic acid is getting to them right now. You know, they've been running competitively at a high intensity for about a month now. So. Yeah. See yeah. I, over. I think for Isaiah, the, the best thing is going to be the heat he gets in, put into in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, what his running style and stuff and his heart on wanting to run um to you know qualify for finals and stuff at least. Yep. That the heat is really going to determine if he's going to qualify for finals. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Like, if he's in a fast heat that's that's not going to be good for him at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think yeah. Druid, I mean, he's very brave. I mean, I from watching that race, I seriously thought that he was gonna that surge that he had on the back stretch. I was like, oh my gosh! Like when yeah. he came up, yes. Um, but yeah, he has incredible amounts of strength. But you know, this is a world class field that he's gonna be going against. So you know, it like you said, it depends on the heat. Um, you know, but you know, there's a lot of kickers. There's you know a lot of kickers around the world with you know. Murphy's close. See how it goes. Um, But who knows? Then may unleash the nine tails and end up back on the podium. (laughs) Right, that's the thing. Right, and I I do want him to perform well. Um, and you could tell he's just having fun with it. Right, you could tell he's still in the, I guess the rookie stage of his career. Like he's just he hasn't really been exposed to the media yet, or to everything that comes with the price of competing at this level and he's just having fun with it right but another thing i want to say before we go on to the next topic with the 800 um as many other races i think experience is also going to play a part into this Mm -hmm. you know this is a whole different game competing against other world athletes you know especially if you've never been on the stage before um, that's where you know your Murphys would that would play in his um that would play in his couple um because the more experience you have, I'm assuming that you would you know fare best in these situations. So we'll see. All right, so let's move on to the women. So we have a thing new, 19 years old. NCAA champion in the 400. Winning her favorite race with a 156.07. Okay, Raven Rogers coming in second with a 157. And then we have Ajay Wilson coming in with a 158.39. Barely making it. 
and that was a very, you know, interesting, kind of similar to Brazier with Ajay Wilson, someone who was favorited to win um, and even, you know, contend for a world, a medal, um, you know. Once again, I, I just think with her, it's a little performance anxiety because situations too where she's been in these situations and she's the favorite and she just kind of falls apart. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, Moo, I mean, definitely that if she did not fall, if she did not have that quick stumble, she definitely would have broken that world record or the American record. Mm-hmm. She would have. Um, what do you think? Is she the favorite to win Tokyo? Yeah, a hundred percent. She is wow. Like her, her, her speed is like she's like she can run forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even when she finishes the races, it's like honestly, I would if I was her coach, I would even try her out in the like the regular meets throughout the season, seeing how she runs in the mile and stuff. Yeah. Um, because she's just so strong in the 800. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And, yeah, her, you know, her stride. And she runs with so much confidence, too. You know, she led from the gun to the finish. Yeah. You know, and that huge stumble, I mean, you know, that was a lot of maturity. She could have fell apart. That could have been it for her to yeah. make it or break it for the race. But she maintained her form. Kind of slugged it off, and she went in. She destroyed the field. I mean, I think, you know, her, one of the issues she had in the past, you know, just from seeing her run from clubs and, you know, for a while now is that closing speed. Mm-hmm. And that's why her collegiate coach put her on the 400 so she can have that finish. Higher. Um, and, you know, I think she's just, you know, invincible right now. I could see her easily winning a gold medal and running that American record in Tokyo. I don't think anybody else in the world is going to be close to her. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> beating off what um, Dinar said real quick. A thing is, like she's this is her God-given talent. I think that's she's made that pretty obvious. You know, we've been watching her since Junior Olympics. Um, who has impeccable range? She can run anything from the two hundred all the way up to God, probably even the five k. Right? There's not a lot of athletes. From a sprinting event to a distance race. That's kind of outrageous, right? Especially if you're African, like, you know, especially African-type athletes. Like, you have African descent in your family. So, she's a special type of athlete for sure. I'm going to be honest. I she's. I think she's going to be very similar to, like, a Sydney and a Grant-type runner. She's still very young. And Shakiri as well. You can put Shakiri in that list as well. This is this is gonna be her against the clock. Um, I think she's transitioning into that. That stage that we saw from Bolt, that we saw from Shelly. She's entering that stage where she's gonna be untouchable for years to come. Um, so isn't that so crazy? Like new generation of runners, they're yeah. just dominant. You know, exactly. yeah, exactly. Um, we're having so many people where we're like, oh. It's just done versus the clock, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's, like, back-to-back events, which is amazing. It's, like, this this year, this Tokyo event is going to be something special. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be incredible. It's going to be one of the ages. Yeah. All right, so let's move up a little bit. Now we're on the 1500. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So we got for the men, we got Cole Hawker coming in first with a 335.28. The reigning Olympic champion, Matthew Senchwitz, coming in with a 335.34. And then we have Yerid Nagus, who came in second. Qualifying with a 336.19. And Craig Inkles. Ingles, unfortunately, not making the Olympic team coming in fourth. Now, the 1500 is a little bit another one. Reigning world champion um, Timmy, Timothy Cherry out of Kenya did not. He came in fourth, actually, and he suffered an injury. So, you know, that opens the doors for, you know, a lot the likes of someone like a Jakob Inkabritskin coming in. Um, I, I think right now he's the favorite. But what do you guys think about the 1500 overall, though? This is a kind of this is another race where it can be a little outside of Yakup. It's it's kind of open. Mm-hmm. Well, what what type of race do you think we're gonna have here, and who do you think? Um, what do you think about these American athletes? Oh, I mean, I don't see anybody being Yakup. You know, once again, like Denard just said, we're entering a stage and where these young runners are breaking out. You know, they're having their breakout races or they've had their breakout races and they're transitioning from, you know, childhood. From, okay, being like a child star type of thing to superstardom, right? Um, I mean, these Americans, I feel like when it comes to, especially distance races, they're kind of outnumbered, right? Yeah. I mean... I know we do have very talented American runners who are and also have the speeds back it up, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really see yeah. them. I don't see a sweep or anything. I mean, sure. Definitely not. Um, we'll see. You think Cole Hawker can make, can podium? You think he beat the medal? I think he he will have to run a person the best again. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think so. I agree. I agree. He's not going to medal with a 335. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's look at the females. Let's see here. So we have Ellie Pereira St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. Oh, I spelled that right. She ran a 358, which is a PR and a meet record. You have Corey McGee running four flat, 0.67, and then 402, 0.09. Now, once again, this is where kind of like a, you know, this is not their event kind of where they, you know, succeed and excel in. Um, I would have to say, though, St. Pierre, she, her form is incredible. She She's very plastic when she runs, not a lot of arm movement, um, great. So, you know, and she's a sub four, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's too deep when you have athletes like Hassan, Kip Yagon, um, a lot of these East African athletes who are running easily running 355s, yeah. 356s. I mean, I don't. US athletes have a chance. Um, the one woman who did have a chance, um, Shelby Hooligan, mm-hmm. unfortunately was placed on a four year ban. Due to a doping um, violation, mm-hmm. due to from what she said was in a burrito that she didn't know of. Yep. So, 
I think right now, I just think, you know, congrats to these women for making the team. But, you know, this is an event from 1500 and up. This is an event that East Africans dominate. So yeah. it would be very impressive if we could see one of them um, post. Like, they can final, but meddling, that's a different story. Uh, like I told the men, similar situation. When you get to 15 and up, Americans are, you know, we're not really looking at America to excel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's not their cup of tea. But, I mean, I definitely wouldn't count out. I feel like if you've made it that far to the Olympics, then you have a fighting chance as anyone else. So it's really just going to be whoever shows up and it matters. Mm-hmm. But... We'll see. Now, let's get into, before we get into the longer distances, let's just go over the steeplechase really quick. Um, so, men's steeplechase, we got Hillary Bohr, um, we have Bernard Ketter, Keter, and then we have Mason Furlick. Okay, so, 821.34, point three four, 821.81, 822.05. Mm. Um. A notable name, Evan Jager, did not compete due to injuries, unfortunately. Yep. Um, once again, the, this is another event that's dominated by East Africans. So, mm-hmm. um, Bohr is very talented. He has been pretty consistent as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to see. Let's see really quick where they... Because Steeplechase is one of those races where, you know, just the Africans, the Ethiopians and Kenyans dominate. Um, yeah, so we see, but there are some notable absences though. Um, Kipruto, Consellus Kipruto, reigning world champion, is going to be out. And then a second athlete from Ethiopia, I'm not sure. I, I wonder, I think this is his name, Tekele, will yeah. be out too. So, once again, this some of these races are going to be open. Um, it just comes down to who has the best kick, who paces themselves correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. And on the women's side, this is where it gets a little, we got, let's see here. Let me pull it up. We have Emma Colburn running. Courtney Furrick's coming in 9-11 and 9-18 for Val Constantine. So, once again. Emma Coburn, you know, she is a reigning world champion. Um, how do you think she's going to do in the Olympics? I mean, not reigning, I mean, world champion from 2017, my bad. Um, she came in second in 2019. Mm. Um, Emma, Emma, Emma. I think she can, I think she can. But that's, uh, at least um i don't i don't i mean who else is i mean you have the what are the, the world record holder i forgot from kenya i don't I forgot what her name is um i'm not sure what her name is but um you know i i think that she'll be in the mix for a medal yeah, so um i think she's the only american who will medal yeah um in that event She's just on a way different level yeah. than her country woman. 
definitely have. She definitely is in metal contention. And then we have the five and ten k. So we have going to kind of just rush through this one. Um, we have Kalimo or Chilimo, Paul Chilimo coming in Chilimo. with a thirteen twenty six point eight two. We got Grant Fisher High School, former high school phenom, thirteen twenty seven point zero one, and then we got Woody Kincaid with those two those signature sleeves coming in with thirteen twenty seven. Now Paul Chilimo did win. He is the reigning silver medalist from Rio. Mm-hmm. Only losing to Mo Farah. So we lost chances. Um, chances at meddling. Or potentially even winning the Olympics this year. <laughs> he, I, don't, I don't think he's going to... He he might get bronze. But I, I don't... When I was watching that race, I was like... The way he got first place was just... I don't know. It's not. I was teasing them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He's really teasing them. That's crazy. Yeah, I think. I mean, Kalimo, He is Kenyan born. He's very. He kind of ran that race like the East Africans usually do it, looking back and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I could see him. I don't see him winning. I'm. I'm pretty sure. You know, the East Africans have a strong team. Um, he has been consistent though. With he's found his way. You know he's capable of meddling, but yeah. you know, it, it's with Chepta guy, reigning world record holder. I mean, I I could see him. He'll he'll probably be in the mix, but um, for him to you know win, I, I don't think that's happening. It's, um, it's going to be a very hard race. Yeah. Americans really struggle in the the long distance events. It's you know. You have some. We have some really talented distance runners, but compared against the East Africans, you know, it's they're just on a whole another level. Yeah. That's what they they live, breed. That's all they do. They run everywhere. So, and same thing with the women. Um, congrats to these ladies, Elise Cranny, Carissa Schweitzer, and Rachel Snyder. Um, ran very well. Once again, you know, you got Hassan, you got Obiri, you know, it, it's a tough field mm. in the long distances. Um, and then, yep, exactly. And then the 10,000, the 10K, once again, Woody Kincaid came in first, Grant Fisher, so they got the double, and then Joe Klecker. Grant Fisher. Yep, so. That- exactly. Um, congrats to them. They ran great races, very entertaining races. Um, but once again, I, I see Chapter Guy. He he's just the king of distance running right now. Yeah. Um, I, I can easily see him getting that five and ten um double. You know, he's the reigning world record holder. If he, he runs that same exact race, like a world record style race, I mean, I don't see anybody defeating him. I agree. Um. So. And then same thing with the women. Uh, let's see who are, who's on this team. Emily Sisson, who ran an incredible race, thirty-one oh three point. She got the double thirty-one point or thirty-one sixteen point five two, and then Alicia Monson at thirty-one eighteen. Okay, um, Sisson ran a very brave race. She was able to pace herself. She led from the gun. It's rare that you see that in a 
10K, but he was able to accomplish. Um, and congrats to them once again. Um, Hassan, and then you have the world record holder. I forgot what her name is from Ethiopia. Um, it's going to be a battle between them two um, for who's the fastest distance runner distance runner in the world. So that's that. And um, and that's it. Anything else? We can look at some of these field events. Um, one of the standouts, uh, what's his what's his name? The collegiate from LSU, Javon Harrison, winning both the men's long jump and what do you guys think about him? His chances. Do you think he could potentially gold in both events in Tokyo? Because he's a very very talented athlete, and that's a really tough double. What, what do you think his chances are in Tokyo? I think... Hey, you can go, Denard. Uh, yeah, for, for him to double, I think if he can, straight out of college is going to be amazing for him, um, for his career and everything. I think it's... I would say he's in my opinion, it's more favorable for the field events to double than it is for the guys that are on track to double. Um, with the rest they have and everything else in between sets. So he, yeah, yeah, he'll definitely have a chance. He'll definitely have a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely he's very talented. I definitely think he should go pro. Um, after this, um, you know, he's got those long legs, very nice strides. So we'll see. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, um, any last thoughts, um, on trials or Olympics? One thing I have to, last thing I have to say, okay, this is going to be, as we know, it's going to be a fast Olympics, right? Hopefully we see multiple. Somebody needs to. Last thing I have to say, <laughs> bowling, uh, so much potential, but it just seems like it's it's masked. I don't know if it's coaching at UGA. I don't know if it's him. I don't know what. Much potential, it's just masked right now. So I need that man to. Someone can get some help to Matthew Bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, like like Carl said, Bowling is a very talented athlete. Um he did a potential, but he's gotta work on those mechanics. I mean he's you know those are basic mechanics. He's very stiff when he runs, he doesn't open up his arms, he's puffing and puffing, like not controlling his breathing. So, you know, if he fixes those things, those, you know, small little adjustments, he's definitely I really think he should get back into the long jump because he's really, um, really strong long jumper, very competitive in high school, and who knows? I mean, he can even run a run a good four. We'll see um, how he looks. Um, I like him in the decathlon. Yeah, that's what he needs to do. I think he should go to the decathlon because he he used to do the high jump. Also, the Nardi used to do the high jump in middle school. So he he recognizes the techniques. Um, I think the only event he would have to practice 
and learn is like the pole vault and the uh, I mean, we would have to do the shot put and the, the discus. Put. Yeah, that's it. Everything mm-hmm. else I can see. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, we'll see about that. about that. Yeah, this is going to be a very, you know, exciting, intense, you know, thrilling Olympics. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of world records, national records, Olympic records go down. I mean, it's the competition is stacked. Um, anything else? I'll be it. I'll yeah. be it. All right. Well, this is Mikhail. And Denard. And we are signing out. All right, y'all. All right. Peace. Peace.